Are you looking for ways to strengthen your marriage? Would you like to raise children you enjoy being around? Do you long for a peaceful, orderly home that's a blessing to everyone who comes through its doors? Then you've come to the right place. I'm Jennifer Flanders, a Bible-believing, homeschooling mother to 12 and host of the Loving Life at Home podcast. Join me as we discover what God's Word has to say about marriage, motherhood, and minding the things that matter most. Hello, friend. Thank you for joining me for Episode 17 of Loving Life at Home. Today, we are talking about homeschooling. Homeschooling is a subject that is near and dear to my heart. My husband and I have homeschooled all 12 of our kids from the very beginning. And although neither of us were homeschooled ourselves, we both went to public school, uh, I had some amazing teachers in public school, but none of them could come close to the two teachers I had at home. And although my parents did not choose to homeschool me, that wasn't really a thing that we even heard about back then. They definitely had that homeschool mindset and taught me so much and prepared me for life in ways that the public school couldn't. My mom would read me stacks and stacks of books every night until she couldn't keep her eyes open any longer, and she taught me Bible stories and nursery rhymes and songs and anything else that I was interested in learning if she didn't feel like she could teach it to me herself. As I mentioned in episode one of this podcast, I'll link it in the show notes, she would track down a friend or neighbor that was able to teach me the thing that I wanted to learn And then she has just my entire life been such a huge cheerleader for everything I've set my mind to. So I'm so appreciative of that. And then my dad was my earliest and best math teacher. He uh, loved math himself, and I shared that love, and he was so... Uh, happy to keep me a step ahead of everybody in school in all things math-related. Even at age two and three, he would fill big legal pads full of addition and subtraction problems and drill me in those, which I loved. That was like candy to me. And then he also enjoyed giving me logic problems to do in my head on long road trips. It would keep me occupied and keep me from fighting with my sister in the back seat. And so one thing that I think is very interesting is one of the problems that he gave me in maybe second or third grade, possibly fourth, I didn't see again. I didn't encounter that same problem until I was doing my master's work in math. And I'll admit to you, when dad told me the problem. I was not able to figure it out myself, but he explained it to me so well that when I saw it again decades later, I knew exactly how to solve it because he had already prepared me for that. And another thing about my dad was he was a great craftsman. He could fix anything and was never afraid or intimidated to tackle a problem. And he passed that same confidence and willingness to try onto me. And part of that willingness to try is a willingness to fail, you know. And so it was not a bad thing to try and and not succeed. At least you tried. Uh, But usually you did succeed if you kept at it long enough. So I really, really am so thankful for my parents who, even though they didn't homeschool us, um, they did have that mindset of investing in our education and really fostering that lifestyle of learning, which is what I've tried to do for my own children in homeschooling them. But 
Homeschooling is going to look different from family to family, depending on the number and spacing of your children and their aptitudes and personalities, teaching and learning styles, work and family responsibilities, and a whole host of other considerations. Your school is going to look different. And today I'd like to talk about what makes for a successful homeschool, but I'm not talking about specific curricula or approaches to homeschooling. The particulars may differ from family to family, but a few general principles are going to be the same for all of us. And so that's my topic. I call it the ABCs of homeschooling success. And the A is for attitude. Attitude is going to make or break your homeschool. Maintaining a proper attitude makes a huge difference. And so, first of all, we need as homeschool parents to cultivate an attitude of humility. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. There is no room for pride in your homeschooling endeavor. Pride is enormously offensive to God. The Bible tells us He resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And as a 30-plus year homeschooling veteran, I can assure you that homeschoolers need all the grace we can get. Of course, our pride is not only offensive to God, it is also very off-putting to our fellow man. So, as I've mentioned in Episode 9 on Responding to negative comments, which I'll link in the show notes, people who've made different schooling choices are often automatically put on the defensive when they're around homeschoolers. But if you project a better than kind of attitude, you are really going to exacerbate that problem. Not to mention the fact that some of your children will likely marry spouses that were not homeschooled. And so that's another reason to be very, very gracious in how you speak about your schooling choices compared to other schooling choices. So we need to put to death that pride from the outset. Then we also need to cultivate an attitude of understanding. Just like I mentioned in my gospel-based parenting episode last week, we need to understand the limits of homeschooling. Homeschooling is a tool. It's not a guarantee. And if you view homeschooling as a recipe, say I mix together family devotions and read-alouds and field trips and Christian co-ops and craft projects and homeschool sports, etc., then I can expect such and such an outcome, then you're putting your faith in homeschooling. And when we put our faith in anything other than God, we are bound to be disappointed. Psalms 20 verse 7 tells us some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of our Lord. We will put our trust in God. Now, can God use homeschooling to develop in our children a heart for His Word and a love for learning? Absolutely. But He is the prime mover. I homeschool my kids as a way to be obedient to God's command to teach them as I sit in my house, as I walk in the way, as I lie down, as I rise up. But I look to Him to change their hearts and draw each one to Himself because He alone can do either one of those things. Then we also need an attitude of gratitude. It is such a privilege to train up and teach our children, a privilege that parents in other countries and other parts of the world are denied. Homeschooling is illegal in in countries like Germany even. My son lived in Germany for a while, and uh, Germans aren't allowed to homeschool their kids. And there's other parts of the world where you're just not allowed to homeschool. But here in America, we have the right to do that for now if we want. And that is really a privilege. We should never forget that. 
The Bible tells us to rejoice always and in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And that's our job, to rejoice and to be grateful on the good days and the bad. When our kids are gathered around us, hanging on every word of a math or a history lesson, or when we find ourselves pulling out our hair and questioning whether they're ever going to learn how to read or spell or whatever the problem happens to be for that day. And so we want to have that attitude of gratitude. We also need grit. We need an attitude of endurance. Homeschooling is a big undertaking. It's not for the faint-hearted, but those whom God calls, He also equips, and He will supply your every need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that holds true when it comes to teaching your children as well. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint, as it tells us in Isaiah 40, 31. So, cultivating this attitude of humility and understanding and gratitude and endurance makes a huge difference in our experience as homeschoolers. Then, so that's A for attitude. B is for books. I just am such a fan of books. We want to give our children a love for reading, beginning with the book, with the Bible, with God's Word. Psalm 119.97 says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all day long. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 tells us, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law doth he meditate day and night, and he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doth will prosper. Isn't that what we all want for ourselves and our children, to be blessed by God in this way? It all starts with making His Word foundational to everything else we do by reading it and memorizing it and meditating on it and holding its truth in our heart and examining everything else we encounter in the light of that biblical truth. So, start with the book and from there, expand out to other worthwhile and well-written books. From the time they are babies, read to your children daily and keep on reading. Kids never get too old to be read to. We still read to our kids and we have adults and and when the adults are traveling in a car with us they'll sometimes pick the books and read them to the rest of the family. So we love to read to each other. If you want to foster this love for reading in your children, let them see you reading as well. Set the example. Discuss the books that you read in front of them. Listen to audiobooks together as you fold clothes or as you travel in the car. And then also don't neglect to read fiction, good fiction, aloud to your kids and teach them to love it. I have to admit, when I first married my husband, I did not have a good appreciation for what you could learn through fiction. Uh, Despite the fact that Jesus used parables to teach a lot of important lessons to the people that were listening, he knew that they would think and ponder on the stories he told much longer than if he just gave simple admonitions to say, be forgiving to others. When he tells the story of the slave that was forgiven this huge debt and then went out and started beating another slave that had owed him such a little debt, people were 
outraged. They could see the injustice of that, and they would think on that story much longer than they would think on just the admonition, be forgiving of others or, or forgive as Christ forgave you. And the story really made it sink in deeply. Uh, same with the Good Samaritan and the lost sheep and the prodigal son, and so many of the stories that Jesus told were put into a fictional vehicle to convey a truth that was so important. And that is still possible. I mean, certainly not all fiction is worth reading, but there is lots of great classic literature that deserves a place on our bookshelf. I'll tell you about one of my sons. We used Sunlight for our curriculum and homeschool for many, many years. And there is tons of reading to do in sunlight. And one of my sons objected to the fact that so much of it was fiction. He said, Mom, please, please, just I, I'm willing to read 10 science books instead of for every one fiction book. Don't make me read this fiction. And I had had that same mindset when I first married. And so I saw where he was coming from. And I said, sure, fine. You can read science books. I won't make you read the fiction. And so that's kind of how he proceeded. But then when he got college age or, or nearly college age and was starting to take CLEP test, I I'll probably do a whole episode on CLEP exams for kids that want to go to college and what a huge time and money saver that is. But for today, I'm just going to mention in passing that he was preparing for a CLEP exam in freshman composition, which was a lot of reading. Now, this same son would later tell me that he didn't really learn how to read until he had graduated medical school and was studying for his oral boards. But the fact is, he actually did know how to read at this point. He was obviously passing math and science claps left and right, but he kind of memorized things as he read that he was a very slow and methodical reader. And so, he ended up failing this test the first time he took it because he just got bogged down in the reading and was reading for detail like he reads his science books and he ran out of time and didn't finish the test. And so he came home and was so disappointed. I think he just missed it by two points. And his dad said, well, the problem is you never read fiction. You've never gotten so drawn into the story that you can't put it down. You, you know, you when you're reading a science book, it's not like you can hardly wait to turn the page and see how it ends. No, when it, it, you read science books and nonfiction books for information, and that's a slower and more methodical way of reading than when you're reading a story or a novel. And so he said, listen, I don't want you to study or do anything else to prepare. Back then you had to wait six months, I think, before you could retake a CLEP exam. And so he said, just for the next six months, I want you to read two chapters a day of a novel. And that's all the preparation I want you to do. And then see how that affects your score when you go back to take the test in six months. So Doug picked the first few books for the son. I think he picked Louis L'Amour because they were Westerns. They're really action-packed. They're short, easy language to understand. And so he read through these two chapters a day and really started getting drawn into these fictional works. And then after two or three Louis L'Amour, Doug says, okay, uh, I don't 
care what you're reading, just pick something that's fiction and read two chapters a day until it's time to retake that test, which is what he did. And when he went back to take it, he passed with flying colors. I think his score went up 12 points, which would be the equivalent of a 120-point rise on like an SAT. So it really, really worked. That was all he did to prepare for the test was to read some fiction because he had neglected reading fiction up until that point. But there are so many valuable things to be learned and gained from reading fiction. I did a whole post on things that you can learn from reading fiction, and I'll link that in the show notes today. Then also I'd recommend building a home library so that your kids have constant access to books. Of course, you can check out books from your church library or public library as well, but they have to be turned back in, and sometimes you're not done reading, and you have to be a little bit more careful, actually a lot more careful, about what you check out. Whereas the books that you purchase and have in your home, you can be selective about what you're giving your children to read, especially when they're young. You want to have really high quality books that affirm the truth of God's Word. They don't have to be moralistic tales. They don't have to be Christian per se, but you do want them to have good themes and compelling characters and a clear demarcation between good and evil. Whether you decide to homeschool or not, if you are looking for good book recommendations, I have a couple of great lists on my website that I'll link in the show notes. In fact, I have lots of free printable resources designed to encourage reading on that website, including reading challenges and reading logs, reading games, bookmarks, book plates, book lists, all of that kind of thing. I will put a link to that resource page in the show notes today as well. Then, so we have A for attitude, B for books, and then C for the ABCs of homeschooling success is consistency. My mom always said consistency is the hardest part of being a parent, and it's also the hardest part of being a homeschooler. As I quoted last week in my a gospel-based parenting episode. Isaiah 28.10 tells us that precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. That is a great description of homeschooling, as is the injunction to teach when you get up and when you lie down, when you walk, and when you sit in your house that we find in Deuteronomy 11. For us, that consistency was most easily obtained by schooling year-round. When my kids were little, we did lessons four days a week all year long, and we used Fridays for field trips and play dates at the park and that kind of thing. But then when we moved to Tyler, our very first house was right across the street from a middle school, and my older kids were getting to be about middle school aged, and so it wasn't too long before they started lobbying to quit homeschooling and go to that middle school. Sometimes people ask me if my kids ever expressed an interest in going to school, and the answer is yes, they did. And they really wanted to go to that middle school across the street. They see the kids going to school every day and coming home. And so I just asked a few questions, starting with what appeals to you about going to school instead of doing what we've been doing. And they said, well, the students there get a summer break, and we also want to eat lunch with our friends. And so that was it. They wanted a summer break, and they wanted to eat lunch with their friends. So I explained, first of all, on the lunch, the way school works is you eat with your class. And if your friend doesn't happen to be in your class, then you are going to be at a different table, and you wouldn't get to eat with your friend anyway. So there's no guarantee that just because you went to the same school, you'd get to eat together each day. And so my solution to that was just to start inviting the friends over for 
for meals at our house on the weekends. Then as far as the summer break, I said, oh, you know, if that is what is turning you against homeschooling, we will just start taking a summer break ourselves. And so we did. We went to five-day weeks, and we did keep doing some math and reading, you know, just the basics. We kept those going through the summer, but we took a break from all the other subjects and just picked those back up in the fall. So that gave our kids the time to pursue other areas of interest and work on craft projects and read for fun and that sort of thing, which was great. Really, most of the reading that we did in the summer was just for fun. We would always have our own family reading challenge or reading rewards club, that kind of thing. And they loved it. And that was the end of begging to go to public school. They were content to stay at home as long as they got the summer break and some some time on the weekends with their friends. So when I'm talking about consistency, I don't mean that you need to duplicate classroom instruction. That is the beauty of homeschooling. Kids don't have to sit at a desk eight hours a day. And so don't try to make them sit at your kitchen table that long either. Research is showing that sitting, you know, a sedentary lifestyle is really bad for your health anyway. And one of the nice things about homeschooling is you can take breaks. They can do a subject and then they can go play for 15 minutes and come back and do another subject. And some of the Scandinavian countries, they uh, keep increasing the number of research their students in public school get because they recognize the fact that they come back from being outdoors refreshed and ready to tackle the next subject. Whereas here in America, we keep reducing the amount of recess our students get, and they just get more and more weary as the day goes on. So I recommend that you don't do that to your kids. You let them have some breaks and then call them back to lessons and just be consistent. Another thing that research is showing is that kids tend to do better when they happen to have the same teacher again in another grade of school. They call this looping, and again, in Scandinavian countries, they've shown that the kids uh, make bigger gains when they have the same teacher again another year, which is just one more built-in benefit of homeschooling is that they get that same teacher year after year after year. My kids had me for 12 years, we did do some once-a-week co-ops that parents help run, and so they would sometimes have my classic co-ops, but they'd also have other moms teaching other things, and so they did get that experience. But for the most part, I am their primary teacher and have been from day one, and the research shows that that is actually a good thing. Nevertheless, whether you use co-ops or do all the teaching yourself, whether you choose a boxed curriculum or online classes or video uh, lessons, or you make you do a hodgepodge of all your favorites from the different suppliers, consistency is key to homeschooling. So if you want to have success, you're going to want to remember those ABCs, attitude, books, consistency. Maintain that proper attitude, cultivating humility and understanding, gratitude and endurance, and then instill into your children a love for books, beginning with the Bible, but then also other great works of literature. And remain consistent, keep on plugging day after day, week after week, month after month. Don't grow weary in doing good, but keep moving forward in the grace and the strength that the Lord has promised to supply. Thanks so much for listening today. If you have a question you'd like to hear covered on this podcast, message me on Instagram at Flanders underscore family or contact me through my website, lovinglifeathome.com. 
Before you go, if you've been encouraged by something you've heard on the show, do me a favor and forward the link to a friend or head over to Loving Life at Home on Apple iTunes to subscribe and leave a written review of the show. Your doing so will help others find me so they can listen too. Until next time, I pray the Lord will bless your efforts to build a loving home life centered on Him.